Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Estella Coughlin, and you are listening to the Nest Podcast. To give a backstory, I was born in China and grew up in North Dakota. I have a huge love for podcasting, and I decided to take my three favorite things mental health, self improvement, and adoption and create what you are now listening to. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to the Nest Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have a great episode planned for today. And so before we get into the topic, let's start with what has been happening lately. So right now I am recording on a Wednesday. So it's literally been like two days since the last time I recorded. So technically, what has happened in two days? Well, Same old, same old. I mean, school, work, like, that's pretty much it. It's been, I've lived a Tuesday and a Wednesday, and that's pretty much it. Worked Tuesday, school on Wednesday, although I did do school on Tuesday, too. I balanced both. Anyway, so, yeah, I don't really have anything else exciting. But I know next week, I'm actually going on vacation with my family. I haven't seen them in, I don't know how long it's been, almost two months, but, so it'd be good to see them. Um, yeah. Anyway, hopefully I'll have more to say when we catch up. Hopefully I'll have more to say, because I would have been doing some other stuff than school and work. So. Be sure to be ready for that episode. Anyway, so I'm, I'm actually really excited about this topic. Now, I did not come up with this topic. I got, uh, requested this topic by a friend, and I think it was very smart. And it's a really good topic. And I had a really fun time because I do prep for the podcast. So I like to kind of, Look into the topic, kind of see what's out there, what things are being said about it, and I like to put my take on it too because, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just like to give my kind of take on the topic. So, with that being said, the topic we are looking at good stress versus bad stress. Now, We all know, well, most of us probably know that there is such a thing as stress. But what the kicker is, what the difference is, is that there is two different kinds of stress. One being good stress and one being bad stress. Very opposite words of each other, but they're both different forms of stress. Now for me, like before this, I mean, I only knew stress as stress. Like, I didn't know stress as two different forms. So, that is what we are going to be talking about today, and I think it'll be a really cool topic to dive into, because, like I said, I honestly don't think a lot of people know that there are two different forms and two different kinds of stress. So, hopefully, this will not only be a good episode, but an educational and beneficial episode. And that we can, within your own life, 
really implement and be aware of the different kinds of stress. So, let's define terms. What is stress? We have all, we've all heard of stress. So what is it? Pretty much stress is our body's response to pressure. You know, external pressure within personal life, work life, family life. It's the response to pressure. Now, what are some common misconceptions about stress? Now, if you've listened to previous episodes, I love addressing and talking about misconceptions because I think with these topics that I do about like self-improvement, mental health, I think that there are always a lot of misconceptions and I like to state them and address them because I know I've thought about these misconceptions, so I'm guessing other people have these misconceptions in their head as well. So, the first one is that stress is the same for everyone. And why is that a misconception? Because stress is actually very subjective. Like, let's say, test-taking for me causes me a lot of stress and anxiety and worry. But for you, you're like, test-taking? That's not, that's not scary or make me nervous at all. Like, what causes me stress is public speaking. And for me, I can public speak, but I just am a bad test taker. But for the other person, they're a good test taker, but get very nervous and stressed out when they have to speak publicly. So, you can kind of see that the stress is very different between all people. And a lot of people think that stress is all the same. But the fact is, you know, stress is a subjective experience. Every person has different forms of stress and different forms that they experience stress in. So the second misconception is that stress is everywhere and it can't be avoided. Well... The truth is that stress, it can be avoided or at least managed in a lot of circumstances. And yes, stress can be everywhere, but I don't think stress necessarily is everywhere. But it definitely can be avoided or managed. And some examples or strategies of managing stress in different stressful circumstances would be having a support system, you know, understanding what stress looks like so you can avoid it and just to be aware of it, you know. And another way that you can avoid stress is to be mindful of it, you know. The mindfulness and just having the understanding and awareness, I think, is a really good strategy and a way to avoid stress. Because if you can find the triggers or if you can find, you know, the little clues that maybe one situation is stressful or something like that, then you can avoid it or manage it better. Now, the last misconception that I'm going to talk about is 
that there are tried and true stress relieving strategies. And the third misconception is tried and true stress relieving strategies work for everyone. Now, when that comes to mind, for me, stress relieving strategies that are tried and true, I think of doing yoga, meditating, journaling, talking it out, or like exercising. So those are what come to my mind when I think of the stress relieving strategies. But a misconception is that they do not work for everyone. You know, these strategies, tried and true, but at the end of the day, just like if people have subjective stress, because stress is subjective, coping strategies are also subjective to the person. So just because there are tried and true stress relievers, it does not mean that they're going to work for you. And if they don't work for you, it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong, that something is broken, you know, because we, because stress is subjective and the stress relieving strategies are also subjective. And also remember that stress doesn't come from what's going on in your life. It comes from your thoughts. It comes cognitively about what's going on in your life. And like proper stress management tools, like I said, meditating, yoga, exercising, journaling, all those things, they are tools to relieve the effects of stress, but they are not there to relieve the cause of stress. Because once you manage the effects of stress, you just are managing the aftermath of the stress. So the stress is going to come back and back again, but in a more effective long-term strategy is by thinking differently, challenging stressful situations, and that's kind of the way to get ahead of the stress. But now stress relievers are tools that can help one cope with the effects of stress not the cause of it. So there's the differences there as well. So now, let's get into defining the terms of what good stress is and what bad stress is. We established some misconceptions. We know what stress is. But now let's go exactly to what the topic is. What exactly is good stress? And what exactly is bad stress? Good stress, it's pretty much short-term stress, and it's stress that can inspire you, motivate you, and it can help you perform better, focus, it can help you use your energy efficiently, and stuff like that. So, like the word good, it might probably, from context clues, when you hear good stress, it's probably stress that is more beneficial than when you hear bad stress. So now what's bad stress? Bad stress is stress that wears you out and can be hard to your health. So it's not stress that inspires or motivates you. This is the type of stress 
we think about when we just think about stress. When we think about just stress in general, we're usually thinking about bad stress. And I think there's a negative connotation and a negative mental image or situation, stereotype that pops up in everyone's heads when they think of stress. They think of the bad stress and not the good stress. So that's why we're establishing the different divide between the two stresses. So another common misconception, I know we kind of went past the misconceptions, but a main one, like I said, is that everyone thinks, or most people think, that all stress is bad stress. But it's important to recognize that stress can mean different things in different situations. And understanding exactly what good stress is and what bad stress is will help you manage the different stressors in your life. And you can really cater two different ways of coping with the different forms of stress. Next, response to stress. I want to talk about this, the response to stress, because this is a widely used term within the mental health, mental illness world, I think. So it's the fight-or-flight response, and this is a response to stress, The fight-or-flight response is also a response to anxiety, depression, ED, ADHD. It's a very common response to different mental illnesses. And what exactly is the fight-or-flight response? It's important to know. When I learned exactly what this is, through my anxiety, a lot of things clicked. I was like, okay, that's exactly what I'm feeling. This is why this happened. This is this. The domino effect. So what is fight or flight response? So pretty much, it's when we experience stress, our body can activate our sympathetic nervous system, which then activates the fight or flight response. And our sympathetic nervous system is not the nervous system, that allows you to relax. It's the one that puts you on alert. Anyway, so within a stressful situation, whether it be a physical stressful situation or psychological, it can activate, using the fight-or-flight response, it can activate stress hormones, and with that, it activates the sympathetic nervous system, which triggers the fight-or-flight response. So when the sympathetic nervous system, like, alerts your body, that's pretty much the fight-or-flight response. And it's an automatic kind of response. Like, you you don't get to decide, oh, I'm going to have a fight-or-flight response. It's automatic. And it's kind of what your body perceives the situation to be, which is stressful or frightening or a scary event. That's what activates the fight-or-flight response. And so with that, it is a typical and very common response to stress. And again, it pretty much, the response is pretty much a response that prepares the body to either fight 
or flee, run away. So fight up against the challenge or the scary event, or run away from it. And with anxiety, what I know at least my mind likes to do, is I would rather flee. I'm a fleer. I, you know, if I'm in the face of a challenge or something with an anxiety, I do not want to fight. I, like, a bodily response for me is fatigue. I get tired easily. It's like I don't have the energy to fight. And so when the fight-or-flight response kicks in for me, when I approach an experience that may be threatening to me or stressful, and I get hit with that fight-or-flight response, I usually choose flight. I And I'm saying that because that's the truth. I usually turn to the fleeing and fighting. That is That is a tongue twister. Fleeing and fighting. Oh, wait, actually, that wasn't that bad. Maybe it was just the first time. But that's what I kind of prefer, the fight or flight. I would prefer to flight. I don't know if that's like a verb or whatever, but now it was. So, now some, like, examples of good stress. Because now we know good stress is short-term stress that inspires and motivates you, enhances performance, stuff like that. So it's pretty much what the name is, good stress. So some examples of that is the stress you experience when starting a new job, when about to get married, when going on a first date, when preparing for a job interview, when preparing to give a very important speech. When making a big purchase, like a car or a house or an apartment, stuff like that. Um, just not, like the examples that I gave, you know, you can kind of see the relation between the good stress and the stress with what comes with the situations. Like, starting a new job. Yes, you, you're stressed. But why it's a form of good stress is because it's short, shorter term stress that inspires and motivates you and enhances your performance. So with starting a new job, you're inspired and motivated to start off in the job with a good foot forward. So you can kind of see how these examples are examples of good stress. Now, what are some examples of bad stress? Well, when experiencing, like, a difficulty in a relationship with ending a relationship or, like, the death of a friend or someone you loved, another example of bad stress is abuse, neglect, or the work environment. That can be very common example of bad stress. When you're under high pressure, if you're working in a field or a career that's extremely demanding, that can cause bad stress. A divorce could definitely cause bad stress. Financial difficulty, illness, serious medical conditions, 
or just finances. You know, I said financial difficulties, but finances are a big part of stress. And for the most part, that is slash could lead to bad stress. So as you can see, like those are definitely different examples than examples of good stress. So I hope by me giving examples, you can kind of differentiate between the good and the bad stress. Now, over time, especially bad stress, it can lead to things like memory loss, weight gain, irritability. It can lead to anxiety, depression, stuff like that. You know, not fun stuff over time. So that's why it's so, so, so important to be mindful of your stress, but just mindful of the good and the bad stress, mindful about what you do, what you eat, what you watch, what you drink, what your environment looks like. It's so important because these are the things like, well, here's a quote, quote or a phrase, a saying. It's like, what you eat is what you are. So now how I'm going to use that is doesn't have to be necessarily eating. So it's like an input-output system. It's like what you expose yourself to. You are the output of that. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. If I met your friend group, if I met your friends, I already know a whole lot about you. Because you are the sum of your three, four friends. You are the sum of them and they are the sum of you. So, with that, it's like, what kind of people are we surrounding ourselves with? What kind of um, community are we surrounding ourselves with? What are we putting into our bodies? What are we listening to? What are we watching? You know, it's like, what what kind of stuff are we putting in and exposing our body to? Because that's the input, the output. So being mindful of that, that can really reduce bad stress and reduce stress in general. And so another thing to be mindful about, which is really important, is your boundaries. Because there is such thing as crossing a line and you want to establish your boundaries. You don't want to let people cross your boundaries, violate your boundaries. You want to set boundaries and set a limit for yourself because setting boundaries are extremely healthy and they can help reduce bad stress. But boundaries in general are really good. Boundaries is something that, you know, you need and you need to establish a firm ground and a firm base and let people know if they've crossed a boundary or made you feel like they were using you or whatever it may be. So you also need to be an advocate for yourself and the boundaries that you are setting. And if somebody does maybe cross your boundaries, you need to advocate for yourself and let them know 
and resolve the problem and just say, you know, that, that was my boundary. I feel like it has been crossed. Um, can we just talk about it, have an adult conversation? Adult conversations show maturity. And if the person is mature about it, that tells a lot about them. It honestly does say a lot about the person. Somebody that acts like an adult can have an open, honest, face-to-face adult conversation. So really be an advocate for yourself. And know when you've messed up and really be humble and have the humility. Because that can also help reduce bad stress when you are able to be an advocate for yourself and own up for your mistakes. Anyway, now, when does good stress become bad? So, good stress can become bad when it becomes chronic, which the word chronic means persistent and long-lasting. So, when people say chronic illness, usually an illness that's persistent and long-lasting. So, when good stress can become bad, it's when the stress, the excitement stress, it just stays. And it seems to always be there. It doesn't go away and it's very persistent. Then that good stress becomes bad stress because it's stress that that just stays with you. You know, that's not cool. So that's how it becomes bad stress. And good stress also becomes bad when you can't seem to control it. When it seems like the stress has a mind of its own. It seems to be controlling you as well. And it seems like you don't have like a hold on it. So, with it being out of control, I guess you could say, is when the stress prevents you from doing anything else. And that can kind of be said for anxiety, too. I know anxiety, um, it becomes an issue and a problem, just like how good stress becomes bad, when the anxiety or the stress seems to dictate your life. Now, what I mean by that is, let's say you're hanging out with your friends um, like you always do on Tuesday night, but... This stress, this anxiety that seems to have a hold of you, it almost brainwashes you to not go. It gives you multiple reasons. It pushes you to tell you to not go be with your friends, to not go hang out with your friends. And it reframes a different picture or notion of the situation at hand instead of what take instead of taking the situation for what it is the stress or anxiety seems to change it for example let's say on tuesday night you always hang out with your friends your best friends and you love tuesday nights because that's when you know it's designated for your friends and usually before the stress you know You love to do that. You love to go hang out with your friends. You will look forward to it. But now that the stress and the anxiety has become bad or chronic, 
then it tells you like, no, you you can't go hang out with your friends. Like they've changed. They they're extremely judgy. They don't care about you. They don't value you for the person that you are. You'll just be judged. They only invite you because it makes them look cooler, but they don't actually really like you, or they just invite you so then they can talk behind your back after you leave. I don't know, that, but that's just like an example. That's kind of what stress and anxiety will tell your mind, and it becomes bad, obviously, because it's telling you lies, but because it then, just like anyone, it would prevent you from going and being with your friends. You know, and that's not cool because the stress and anxiety, it doesn't take the situation for what it is. It reframes it. It twists it. And it makes you think something else. It doesn't take the situation for it merely being a time to hang out with your friends. It takes it and totally twists it and it makes you miss out on being with your friends. So that's just like an example. So yeah, hopefully you can kind of use that, take it, and just kind of see how the stress kind of controlled your life in that sense or controlled that situation. And that is not what we want. We want it to be, if anything, if stress is anything, we want it to be good stress. So that's why we need to be able to recognize good stress, and we need to be able to recognize bad stress. And we need to know the differences, and we need to know how to handle them, and how to set ourselves up for success in the future, so that when we get hit with the stress, we can A, differentiate between the two, B, know exactly what stress we're feeling, and C, how to cope and manage the stress so it doesn't become chronic. We do not want the stress, first off, to turn into bad stress, and second off, turn into chronic stress where it feels crippling and defeating. That's what we don't want. And honestly, stress, even though you know everyone has stress, there are many different forms of stress, stress is a real thing. And chronic stress is extremely common. It's, I don't have the exact statistics, but it, it definitely affects more, way more people's lives than it should. So this is why we also need to be aware and spread awareness about this. We need to have the open and honest conversations. We need to talk about mental health and mental illness. We need to open up because that's the one goal, destigmatizing mental health, especially for me among my generation, among the youth. Cuz mental health is only mental health and mental illness is only increasing. And for me, I want to see those numbers go down. So, one of my favorite ways to Help to destigmatize mental health is by having open and honest conversations. Like, I will be the first one to open up. I'll be open because what's the point in not being open? Because I can pretty much bet that all the people around you, they most likely struggle with 
most of the same things you do. And later in life, if hopefully you talk about it, and when you talk, you realize that you and your best friend have struggled with the same thing for your life at the exact same time, and neither of you knew about it, of the other person's struggles. And it turns out, first off, you guys struggled with the same thing. Second off, you struggled with it alone. Third off, you struggled with it alone at the same time, and neither one of you knew about it. And then at that point, you might feel dumb. It's like, we're best friends. We didn't know that the other was struggling, much less we didn't know that the other was struggling at the exact same time with the exact same thing. So I can pretty much bet that the people around you, they struggle just as much as you, if not more. So having conversations about it, open and honest, being candid, that literally has a way bigger impact than you think. And that's my personal favorite way of destigmatizing mental health. But I also love to do that because talking about mental health to me is extremely powerful and inspiring. I love talking about it. So if anyone wants to have a mental health conversation, hit me up because like I will drop anything. I love talking about that. Also because I'm passionate. But if it's a way to even make even a divot in the mental health stigma, I'm all in. I'm all for it. So, now the call to action. I haven't done one of these before, but I do want everybody to at least have an open and honest conversation with somebody. It could be parent, siblings, friend, colleague, a peer, you know, just having an open and honest, candid conversation about mental health with somebody. It could even be a therapist, but with somebody. Like, whenever I do, it literally lifts the weight of the world off your shoulders. Like, and it's so refreshing. And because, what's also refreshing, is because instead of talking about the weather, you know, for like 10 minutes, we can talk about something actually meaningful for 10 minutes. And it's also a really great way to get to know people and really connect on a deeper level than how's your day? Good. How's your day? Good as well. Bye. You know, you can connect on a more deeper level. So that's the call to action. Have a candid, open conversation about mental health. What are the negatives about it? If you're going to be, if somebody comes up to you with their mental health struggles, hopefully, be empathetic. Be gentle. Be patient. Be kind. Show them compassion. Make them feel heard and valid. Do not try to one-up them. Do not try to make their feelings unvalid. Because honestly, that is not cool. And so do not do that. Because the last thing that person will want to do is come to you with anything they're struggling about. And that adds to the stigma in mental health. So please do not do that. Be open. But then if someone's coming to you, be gentle, be patient, be kind. Now, 
with that being said, let's get into the questions. We have we have a good amount of questions, actually, which is very fun. So, if you want to ask a question about the topic, I released it a little earlier. The questions are on my story on Instagram, which is at the Nest Podcast with Estella. Go over there. Give it a follow. Join in the questions. Become involved in the podcast. The questions are always anonymous. And I like kind of seeing what you guys have to say and what questions you guys have. Because sometimes I honestly, like, you know, don't touch on big important things that maybe other people have questions on. So it's a really great way to get questions answered or for me to give you my opinion or if you want me to research something for me to do your research for you. So the first question is, where does stress come from? Stress, like we said, is a body's response to pressure. So with pressure, that like stress can literally come from an event, a situation. It could be a new or unexpected situation or event, but it's something that makes ourselves feel threatened and out of control. So stress comes from anything. Like I said, it could be an event or a situation, but all in all, stress comes from something that makes ourselves feel threatened and out of control. Next, could you talk about reframing? Yes. So for me, when I hear reframing, I think of the synonym as redefining. So now what is like reframing? Pretty much it's literally to frame or express words or events differently or situations differently. So it's reframing is pretty much framing, expressing, or redefining things differently. And so cognitive reframing is literally just like cognitively, that's like in the mind, it's changing the way we look at different things. It's like how we perceive things. So yeah, reframing also is can be really good in regards to stress. It can be a great mechanism, technique. And so with that, like, did you know that using reframing techniques can actually change your physical responses to stress? And it does that because your body's response is literally triggered by perceived stress more than actual events. So why you have the fight or flight mode, it's honestly how you perceive an event or a situation. And how you perceive that, you either perceive that and choose fight or flight response. Now, the next question is, can it be both at the same time? So, restating is like, can it be, like, can stress be both good and bad at the same time? And to that question, I would say it's a very good question. But, 
for me, what I think is that I would say that the stress would be as you perceive it to be. Because for the majority of stressful events and situations, it can either be categorized as good or bad. You know, so whatever the stressful situation is, it's how you perceive it. You know, like I said, going back to the example of somebody who gets really anxious and stressed out about test taking versus someone who gets really anxious and stressed out about public speaking. So it's just how you perceive the different things. And then that categorizes it into good or bad stress. And so for me, I rarely think you can get have like both good and bad stress at the same time. But I'm not positive. But that is kind of where my mind goes. So the last question is, what are some physical aspects that come from too much negative stress? So, first off, yes, there are definitely physical aspects that come from too much, like, bad stress. And so I said a few of them before, but some other physical aspects is increase in heart rate, increase in blood pressure, a lot of pain, headaches, you get extremely exhausted, difficulty concentrating. Like, there are a lot of physical aspects, like a whole lot more, that can come from bad stress. And so, like I said, there are a lot, a lot of physical aspects for bad stress. So that's why we need to get ahead of the stress. We need to recognize the stress. We need to get ahead of it. And we need to stop it from being chronic stress. We need to stop it from being bad stress. And if you've been listening and you're like, wait, I've identified some areas of bad stress. What do you do now? Reach out for help. You know, asking for help is extremely strong. Like, like it's, yeah, it's hard to ask for help and hard to be humble enough and have the humility. So, ask for help if you need it. Otherwise, take time to recognize what it is and do a self-evaluation. Evaluate your life. Evaluate what you're putting into your life because that's what the outcomes happen. Identify the stressors and say, is it something that I can change? And is there something in my life that I could change to turn this into no stress or a good stress? And if so, then change it. But obviously that's easier said than done. But just identify and scan your life and scan yourself and see. Do I like the environment that I'm in? Do I have any stress? If I do, am I experiencing good stress or bad stress? So self-evaluation. But anyway, with that being said, I'm going to wrap up the episode. This one has kind of been a little shorter than the other ones, but I definitely packed it with good content, I think. I mean, I might be biased, but I 
I thought the prepping here, I thought I did pretty good. Anyway, so it's also a little shorter because I literally hadn't really done anything between the two days. Um, so yeah, so I need to have more of an exciting life. But, you know, sometimes life isn't all glamorous or exciting. But hey, that's life literally 90% of the time. The only things that are glamorized are on Instagram. If you want to see a glamorized life, go on Instagram. You know, the other 90% of the unglamorized normal life, yeah, don't go to Instagram because it will not be there. So anyway, make sure you rate the podcast, write a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to the podcast. It would mean the absolute world if you did that. Uh, Make sure to also hit the bell icon. I think it's like the notifications if you're on Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast, just literally do all the buttons that it says. So yeah, and also head over to the Instagram and follow the Nest podcast with Estella. Stay up to date with everything on that. And yeah, with that being said... Thank you for tuning in. It honestly does mean the world to me if you make it this far. But with that being said, until next time.